Well, here's what I got from the Lord after he revealed that story to me. It's all about doing life together. It's all about living together. Even though we're different, we're different, we do different things, it's all about loving each other and doing life together. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Just doing life together. Are you in? You got your inner tube? Are we in the back of the pickup? Okay, let's go. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your, uh, for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us, Father God, that you want to speak into our lives, Lord, that you want to do life with us, Father God. And Lord, let our hearts be open to that. Let us hear what you have to say to us, Father God. Let's love each other. Let's live together, Father God. Speak to us today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I found this other part in the Bible where these people went camping. Yeah, it's true. It's in Joshua chapter 3. So that's on your handout, or if you want to uh, uh, look up on the big screen here. Joshua chapter 3, this is verse 1, and this is what it says. The next morning, Joshua and all the people of Israel got up early, left the camp at Acacia, and went to the Jordan where they camped while waiting for it. So underline the word they, and underline the word waiting. They were waiting. What were they waiting for? We'll find out. And the Jordan here is the Jordan River. And the Jordan River at this time of year is just a massive flood of water. They're there in the springtime, and this river is just raging. Here's a picture of the river, actually. This is what it looks like. So God has brought them to this spot, and they're about ready to supposedly cross over this spot. But right now they're waiting. And the reason the river is rushing like this is the Jordan River really moves from a really high elevation to a very low elevation very quickly. It actually moves below sea level. It goes into the Dead Sea. So at this time of year with the snow cap melting and all of that, the water's rushing downhill very quickly. And so it overfloods its banks and it's just raging and rushing. So you can see here it just looks like an impossibility to cross over. So if you're in a life group, or even if you're not in a life group, here's a good question for you. If God loves his children, he loves the children of Israel, and we know that because he brought them out of captivity, he brought them out of bondage, he brought them across the desert, and now he wants to bring them into the promised land. If God loves his children so much, why does he bring them to this raging river at this time of year? Three months earlier, three months later, I'm telling you for a fact, they could have just strolled across the river. But after 40 years of wandering around, God decides to bring them at this exact point now so that it's impossible to cross the river. Why? Faith. Yeah, faith is a great answer. But faith is hard, right? Because you take a step of faith in this river, and where are you going? You're going downstream pretty quick, aren't you? That's what it's going to feel like. It's faith. Pulled me right to his nose. And he said to me, if you ever run into something like that again, and you don't call me, you and I are going to have a serious talk. He said, I could have been there in five minutes, because he lived five minutes away. But I didn't think that. I'm thinking i got to do it all myself. And here's a guy wanting to do life with me. Right, Wayne? That's right, yes. It was Wayne, yes. Yes. <laughs> Still hurts a little bit, Wayne. I'm just saying, yeah. 
still hurts a little bit. So it's just doing life together. And if Wayne wasn't here, I could walk around the room and I could pick lots of people. And I could tell you a story about lots of people. People who were there for me when, when I thought I was alone. I can tell you story after story after story. I almost left Life Spring early on because people were getting a little too close. People were getting to know me a little too much. And I kind of didn't want my garbage to be seen by anybody. So I was trying to keep people away. You know, it's easier to bounce around from church to church. People don't really get to know you. They don't get to really know how messed up you are. But that's what I love about LifeSpring, because guess what? We're all messed up. Right? Or am I the only one? No, we're all messed up. Okay, jump down to verse 9 now. Then Joshua said to the people, Come here and listen to what the Lord your God has to say. As you advance, he will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Wow. You will know that the living God is among you when the covenant box of the Lord of all the earth crosses the Jordan ahead of you. Now choose 12 men, one from each of the tribes of Israel. So come here and listen to what the Lord has to say. How do we do that? It's our first building block, the word of God. That's what he tells us this morning. Come here and listen to what the Lord has to say. We do it through the word of God. And we do it through prayer, and we do it through each other. And we allow other people to speak into our lives. And what does he say to us today? He says, as you advance. That means you can't sit still. You're sitting on the Jordan, and we all have our little Jordan River to sit on. And in between services, I got to, sit, I got to talk to somebody who was facing a big Jordan River. And the good news was, I'd already been across that river. She hadn't. She thought it looked like that massive flood in front of her. She didn't know how she was going to do it. And I had to remind her what the Word of God said. She was worried about money, and I got to tell her, guess how much money God has? God's not worried about money. And I know what she feels like, because I was right there. But I got to speak into her life, because I'd faced the same Jordan River. And we've all done that. We all have our Jordan Rivers in front of us. So what does God say here? He wants you to advance. He wants you to move forward. Well, Pete, I don't know what to do. Do something. Do something. And I probably said this before, but I'll say it again. You're just one decision away from a better life. Just one small decision from making your life better. Make one decision. Move forward one step. I don't know where I'm going. What does God say? As you advance, I will go before you. And what's he going to do? He's going to drive out the enemy before us. What kind of enemy? How about the enemy of uncertainty? Doesn't he say he's going to drive that out from before us? If we advance, take a step. If you don't know what step to take, talk to somebody here. We're a family. We're a community. We do life together. Jump down to verse 17 now. While the people walked across on dry ground, the priests carrying the Lord's covenant box stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan and all the people until all the people had crossed over. Is it a miracle that the Jordan River stopped up? We would say yes, right? Because it's in the Bible. But the truth is that's not the real miracle. See, as early as 1927, guess what happened? The Jordan River stopped up. 
there was an earthquake, some land fell into the river, it stopped up the river, and right there at that same spot, at the same time of year, you could have walked across the river. So is that the miracle? That's not the miracle. The miracle is it was done on dry ground. Twice in that passage it says the word dry, because we serve a God who completes things. He doesn't do it halfway. He does it all the way. So not only does he stop up the river, he dries the ground completely so that we can walk across on dry ground. And that's what he wants to do for you if we'll take that step of faith together as a community. So here's a question for you. How many people of the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan? All of them. Every single one of them. Nobody said, well, it's Wednesday and that's just not going to work for me. So here's a question for you, and don't get mad at me. You can get mad at me after I'm all done, okay? But let me say it, and then you can get mad at me. Every, the first Monday night of every month, we have a prayer meeting, a prayer night. How many people of all the children of LifeSpring show up at the prayer meeting? No, don't get mad at me. I know you want to get mad at me. Just let me finish. How many show up? All of us? Nope, not all of us. Half of us? Nope, not half of us. A third of us? Nope, not a third of us. How about a quarter of us? Nope, not a quarter. How about 10% of us? Nope. Would you believe 5% show up? See? Now, in one sense, I'm thrilled that 95% of you have no need for prayer. Okay? (laughs) On the other hand, I'm really saddened that 95% of us don't come to praise God if we have nothing to pray about. Now, you can get mad at me now. Okay, because I know what you're going to say. Mondays don't work for me because Mondays don't work for me because I have to work on Monday night. I get it. Okay, Mondays don't work for me because little Billy has soccer. I get it. I really do get it. Mondays don't work for me because I forget. I get it. (laughs) You know why I get it? Because right before the first service, Ray said to me, where have you been on Thursday nights? Because it's the men's meeting. I'm in the same boat. I have the same excuses. And if you're looking for an excuse, come see me. I've got lots of them. I'll give you one. Okay? But here's my point. I realize that we all can't make it on the first Monday night of every month. But here's my question. If you can't make it, then who are you spending time with and when are you doing it to pray? Who are you meeting with just to pray with them? One or two or three or four people. Who are you getting together with to pray? Well, I'm really busy. I can't get out of the house. Okay, pick up the phone. I just, I just spent the last couple of months, one, one week a month, on the phone with a guy, praying with him every day during that week. You can do that. You don't have to get together. But are we doing life together or are we not? It's all about doing life together. It's all about community. And I'm just not talking about the church community. I'm talking about your family, your wife, your husband, your children. Are we getting so busy that we tend to drift away from those communities? Let's do life together. So here's the first point on your handout. In our communities, our marriage, and with our children, God has to go before us. He's got to lead the way. God has to go before us. Here's another example from John chapter 4. Jesus decides one day to go for a hike. 
He's down there at Canada sitting with me by my hot tub, decides to take a hike. So he starts walking, and he walks a really long way, and he comes to this town called Sakar. Now, from Canada to Sakar, it's a long ways. He took a long hike, and he's there by about noon, and he sits down by this well, and he's thirsty. Now, this woman comes up, this Samaritan woman, and Jesus asks her for a drink. Now, she's a little bit taken back by this, because she's a Samaritan, and Jesus is Jewish. And the Samaritans and the Jews don't like each other. So much so that when the Jews were going on a little hike, they would avoid this town altogether. Because this was a town of Samaritans. So they would avoid it. Jesus doesn't avoid it. Jesus goes right to it. And Jesus is there. So he asks her for a drink. And she's a little puzzled because the well that he's sitting by is really deep. And he doesn't have a bucket in his hands. So she doesn't understand. But he says to her, if you only knew... What God gives. Can I just give that to somebody today? If you only knew what God gives. If you would only pause long enough to realize what God gives. He says, if you only knew what God gives and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you life-giving water. And she's confused. She's baffled. But he tells her that he wants to give her life-giving water and eternal life so that she'll never be thirsty again. And she says to him, I want that. Are you willing to say to Jesus, I want that? I want what you have. I want what you want to give me. I want that. I don't want to ever have to come back here again. See, she's alone. She's an outcast. She has to come to that well when there's nobody there. She has to come when it's the hottest part of the day because in the morning when all the other women are there, they don't want anything to do with her. They've shut her aside. So she has to come when she's alone. And she's saying to Jesus, I don't want to ever even have to come back here to this place of shame and discouragement and outcast. I don't want to have to come back here anymore. And Jesus says to her, go and call your husband, Jesus told her, and come back. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you are right when you say you don't have a husband. You've been married five, to five men, and the man you now live with is, really, is not really your husband. You have told me the truth. See, Jesus is pretty direct. He doesn't beat around the bush. He comes right out and calls her what she is, and she knows it. And she confesses everything before him. But does she walk away ashamed and embarrassed and not wanting to come back? No. Verse 28, Then the woman left her water jar, went back to the town, and said to the people there, Come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? So they left the town and they went to Jesus. See, she had an encounter with Jesus and she was changed. He called her out and she was changed because he didn't condemn her. Because God's word says there's no condemnation in Christ. He's not condemning her. He's not putting her down. He's just calling what is. And he's calling her to him. And what does she do? She's not ashamed. She runs to the town people and she says, come and see. And they came and they saw and they were changed. She didn't keep it to herself. I think that's the most amazing part of the whole story. You treat me bad and I hear good news? Guess what? You're not hearing about it. That's my heart. I got something good and good, you treated me bad, so good luck with your life. 
But she doesn't do that. She got something good and she went and told everybody. Because she wanted them to know too. The same opportunity you and I have every day to tell people about Jesus and his word and what God brings us into his life. And this is the second fill-in on your handout, and it says this. In our communities, our marriage, and with our children, God has to be with us. Just as Jesus was with her, God has to be with us. God going before us, and God with us. And then my final example, Jesus sending others out on a hike. This is from Luke 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. After this, after what? After Jesus sent out the twelve with his power and authority. After the twelve came back, proclaiming all that they had done in his name. After Jesus got them to understand who he was. After Jesus had said to them, if you want to come with me, you must forget yourself. Take up your cross every day and follow me. After all of this, he appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him. Two by two. Did he send them out individually? No, he sent them out in twos. He sent them out in community. He sent them out together. So much we want to do life by ourselves. What's God's calling for my life? Well, get into a community and find out. Because it's not just about you, it's about others. God sent them out two by two. And when he does send us out as life spring, out into the community, out as a community, what's the result? Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. He gave to the 12, he gave to the 72, and today he gives to us the same power and authority to overcome all of the enemy in his name. We go out with the victory one because he goes before us. He goes with us. And my third point, in our communities, our marriage, and with our children, God has to be in us. He's got to go before us, he's got to be with us, and he's got to go in us. Let me call the worship team back up while I close with this story. My Uncle Ronnie died at a really early age. He died in his early 50s, maybe. Life threw him a couple of curveballs, and he didn't quite know how to handle it. He didn't quite know what to do. So he turned to drugs and alcohol because he thought maybe that was the answer. And I remember the day of his his burial and his funeral. I remember how sad everybody was. I remember the the look on my mother's face losing her brother. I remember the look on his children's faces losing their dad. And I remember my, my grandmother, his mother, how devastated she was. Because after the funeral service, all these people from town came over to give their condolences to my grandmother. They came over bringing pies and food and, and wanted to give their condolences. And they came over one by one by one, which was awesome. But at one point, I remember my mother going out on the front yard, shaking her hands like this, saying, no more. Like she can't handle any more. 
It's too hard for her. My grandmother couldn't take any more. And that was so sad. But to me, that's not the saddest part. And I know you might be thinking, Pete, what's sadder than death? Well, to me, this is what's sadder than death. My uncle forgot about the river. He forgot that you can't buy that. You can't buy that kind of togetherness and community. And drugs and alcohol, that's not going to do it for you. And nothing else is either. Worldly things and money, it's not going to do it for you. Because the life's on the river. The life isn't doing it together. See, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, if he's not with you, if he's not walking with you, if he's not in you, then you're missing out. Because guess what? We're all a mess. We don't know what's going on. That's why we have each other. Let's do life together. With everybody's eyes closed and your heads bowed, let me just ask this. Is there anybody who wants to give their life to Jesus today? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Nobody's looking. If you haven't given your life to Him before, just raise your hand. And how about this? Is there anybody who's moved off the river and is back in those teepees? Or maybe you're way back on the campsites. And maybe you want to go a little bit further today and take a step and start doing life together. If that's you, will you just raise your hand today? Yes, Lord. See our hands, Father God. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that you don't leave us or forsake us, Father God. That even when we drift off, Father God, you call us back to you and you call us back to your church. And you call us back to your community, Father God. Because you want us to do it together, Lord. You want us to do life together, Father. Lord, help us not to to look elsewhere, Father. Help us, Lord, just to keep our eyes on you. Lord, we want to life, live life with you and with others. So we give you, we come back to you today, Father God, and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.